everyone and thank you so very much for joining me on another episode of Talking Cloud. Now, you know, this is where we talk about cloud, all things cloud, no holds barred. I mean, there's no limits and we'll discuss anything if it has to do with cloud. Now, of course, we do lean a little bit into security. Now, you know, I'm no expert, but Man, I know where to find them, and I am. I, this one is going to go down in the record books, I know, because I'm so thrilled and excited about my guest today. I got to tell you, this is someone that I've, I've known for a while. In fact, just recently kind of reconnected when I noticed his promotion to his current role. And uh, I'll let him fill you in on the gap between when I first met him some uh, two decades ago, and uh, you'll hear in a moment he's certainly appropriate for this program to be talking cloud. I'm thrilled. I'm excited. Uh, you know, we, we like to talk about security, too, and hey, guess what? I've got the America sales leader for AWS security from Amazon. I've got Brendan Stavely on. And I'm so, so excited uh, that you're here, Brendan. Thank you so very much. I got to tell you, man, I was so, uh, I told you this already. I was so proud when I saw that announcement for you. I just thought, man, that's, that's so awesome. Welcome. Thanks, Grant. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. And it's great to uh, hear your voice. I remember back when we first met, gosh, I couldn't have been a day older than 23 or 24 at Checkpoint. So uh, it has been a while, but yeah. it's great to be on, on the show with you. Well, I, I, you know, it's funny you mentioned that, Brendan, because before I uh, dove in any further, I wanted to get the big white elephant out of the room because I was going to ask you, based on your profile picture, you must have started uh, in this industry when you were about eight. Um, because I noticed that when I went to LinkedIn, but that's what I, that's the Brendan I remember working with, uh, originally. And it's a lot of fun to see it that way. Yeah, that is a, a bit of a dated uh, picture. They had, uh, at one of my roles, they had, um, professional photographers come in for like that glamour right. shot and I, I couldn't resist and I have not had a opportunity similar to that since. So I'm kind of clinging on to that young, young image that is, uh, a little bit overdue to get replaced. You know, on that Zoom the other day, uh, Brendan, I didn't think you looked uh, much different at all. Wow, that must have been some poor video quality. <laughs> I guess I'm glad my camera isn't that high def. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, uh, for our listeners, so they can get a bit of, uh, uh, as I mentioned, the Z-axis between when we first worked together at Checkpoint 100 years ago, it seems like back in the late uh, 90s, uh, early uh, 2000. Uh, what have you been doing? And and uh, fill us in. Sure. Yeah, sounds good. 
Well, Checkpoint was my first job out of college. So, I mean, talk about being green. Wow. Uh, but really enjoyed my time there. It was great to meet you. Uh, and Grant, I have to tell you, seeing you in action as a public speaker was truly inspirational in terms of setting the bar of public speaking, which I've always kept in the back of my mind as I pursue opportunities like that. But really enjoyed the time at Checkpoint um, kind of during the, the internet bubble and the subsequent burst. Right. Um, I popped over to Fortinet when Fortinet was really small. I mean, I think the revenue was, you know, sub, uh, 20 million or something. Mm. Uh, and, and did, was there for a couple years. Uh, that was my first, um, my first opportunity to pursue a sales leadership role. So I enjoyed that at Fortinet. And then I had a good long stint at Cisco um, at Cisco, I had a couple different roles. So uh, some of them were security focused for the uh, focusing on the security portfolio that Cisco brought to market, and the others were more generalist, kind of representing the big broad portfolio, which was fun. Security was still a very very important part of that, and that was really when um, AWS started to come on the scene. And I, I remember I was working with a customer who told me uh, they have decided to, to make their on-prem uh, software, they wanted to make it available as a SaaS offer. So mm -hmm. they were an ISP. And I was the account manager for Cisco at the time. <clears throat> this is back in maybe 2005. And I was thinking, oh, wow, this is going to be you know big money for, for me because they're going to have to build a data center that's going to be 10 million bucks and they're going to spend a ton of uh, money on Cisco equipment and all that. And then they told me about this new Amazon offer, uh, EC2, where you just rent cloud computing capacity. And that was my first time I was exposed to that and basically, for all intents and purposes, lost that deal as the customer went to uh, a public cloud uh, very early on. But I did that role uh, and a few different roles at Cisco for many years. Then I did a, a stint at a, a unicorn startup called Automation Anywhere, which is in a different space called Robotic Process Automation, also very relevant for uh, for security in the cloud. And then my roots in security came calling and I joined AWS and have now just taken over the America's specialist team as a sales leader, uh, representing the AWS native security portfolio. Got it. Wow. That's awesome, man. That's really, uh, that's really terrific. So you kind of definitely saw the uh, all sides of the security play with your moves from Checkpoint to Cisco, Fortinet, that gave you some interesting perspective. It's great to see how the industry has evolved and, and, and where it's going. And boy, it couldn't be more different than it was back in the heyday of the uh, Internet. Yeah, no kidding. You know, it's funny, though, I'll tell you, you, you remember the days way back when there was that program OPSEC, right? Open Platform Security. It's relevant. You'll see why. It's really kind of funny. This just talks about how the industry evolves and changes. Back then, I would explain it to uh, partners and customers as, you know, this myriad of ornaments that you can adorn your Checkpoint Christmas tree with, right? Because Checkpoint was kind of that anchor gateway, and then all the OPSEC partners were the stuff that you could hang on to it, right? Well, it wasn't too long ago I was uh, describing the new Christmas tree in town, and I was saying it's Amazon. You know, it, it is Amazon uh, all the way. It's the cloud providers, right? That's now become the anchor tenant that vendors need to figure out how to add value to, don't they? Without a doubt. I mean, I, I think um, the the arguments to remain for workloads to remain on-prem 
are getting fewer and farther between with time. And, you know, if you rewind the clock five years and think about how widely deployed modern enterprises were in public clouds, I, and, and compare that to today, I think five years from now, it'll accelerate at an even faster clip because yep. it just doesn't make sense to invest all the undifferentiated heavy lifting to kind of do this yourself yep. as an enterprise. And from a security perspective, it also introduces a lot of complications, right? Um, and so, so I agree. I mean, I, I think we're going to continue to see this momentum in the direction of uh, getting out of the business of maintaining expensive, uh, heavy, resilient data centers. And there'll be a you know a, a few public cloud providers that will continue to thrive and grow in that climate. No question. Um, which is one of the reasons I'm excited to be you know a, a part of AWS. And Grant, it's funny you mentioned OPSEC. And again, I'll date myself a little bit here. You remember that was actually the acronym stood for initially Open Platform for Secure Enterprise Connectivity. Oh, right, right, right. That's and right. And they changed it. That's got true. A hold of it. Yeah. That's yeah. right. That's that's so. good. Good memory, because that was the early, early days. Yeah. But yeah. I think, you know, Checkpoint was definitely ahead of its time in that respect. And um, AWS and, and others as well, I'm sure, have established a similar uh, approach of having kind of an open ecosystem that you can, to use your great analogy, continue to adorn the Christmas tree with, you know, different services and different products that make sense for your environment within a public cloud. Well, you know, I have to tell you, man, what I think is extraordinary, truly extraordinary, is the mere fact that you invented this phenomenon. Now, obviously, I understand VMware and their legacy with, with virtualization and all that. Uh, but I'm talking about elastic compute in the way that we know it and are seeing it expand today. It's really extraordinary. And, you know, you can clarify this if I'm correct or not, Brendan. I heard that it was literally... Uh, born out of necessity, is that right? Or, or maybe you can set that story straight. Well, I can share you at least what they told me. Okay. Um, and and again, I, I've been at Amazon a little over six months, and I'm I'm here not necessarily representing uh, AWS, but, sure. but just kind of myself. Um, but uh, the the story of, of AWS is really interesting, and one of the things I love about the culture of Amazon is that there is a uh, maniacal focus on on really thinking big and like trying to do game changing, world changing initiatives. And you know, a lot of times when you endeavor to uh, implement a, a world changing initiative, you have to be prepared to to feel failure, right? Yep. Um, and so uh, the company tolerates uh, a lot of risk and has pursued a number of different business initiatives that, you know, before they pursued them, I'm, I think a lot of uh, external observers might be scratching their head. And one of those is the public cloud, right? right. Um, I remember seeing a, a Forbes article where, you know, Amazon investors really wanted the, the Jeff Bezos to, to not spend so much money and to kind of take some profits, right? But it was constant investment and, and yep. the AWS portion was heavy capital uplift. Um, but, you know, you look at what has transpired over the past you know, 10 or so years in the AWS, and it's just it's truly remarkable. And it's something, you know, I think I'll, uh, we'll, we'll see, you know, uh, Harvard business cases about a, 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 tr a great example of a, a true world changing, you know, business innovation, a business idea. Um, and how it all came about, at least uh, how I've heard in terms of what they share folks that are, are joining the company, is that Amazon um, IT maintained a highly resilient, uh, scalable uh, infrastructure to support Amazon.com. 
because Amazon.com is a website with see spikes in usage and, you know, would have all the same things that we expect retail websites that might, you know, during Prime Day or Black Monday or whatever, um, need to have that elasticity as a fundamental tenant. And uh, somebody woke up and realized, hey, you know what? This is a really hard thing to do. We do it really well. I bet there's other companies that would like to benefit from our ability to execute on this type of uh, uh, application or, or this capability and started you know, sort of offering it out and, and leasing. And, and the, first, uh, the first product in that respect was EC2 or uh, Enterprise Compute Cloud. And of course, with time, added lots of different um, uh, uh, services, and it is what it is today, which is you know an amazing platform with uh, hundreds of services that. Yeah, it's have, a universe, uh, man. It's a universe. Yeah. That's what I say. You know, it's it, it's a universe because it's expanding. Yeah, and and it all was sort of born out of a big idea, right? Hey, we're we're proficient at being able to deliver this capability within our business. This is something other businesses could benefit from, and. You know, we feel like we can be disruptive in the market, and the rest is history. Wow. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. That's what I think makes it such a cool solution is it solved the problem you guys had. Oh, yeah. I mean, a huge problem in terms of that undifferentiated heavy lifting, right? I mean, to deliver a great experience to a consumer or in a B2B environment or what have you, yeah. um, it requires a lot of innovation that's differentiated. But to support that, you need all this like blocking and tackling that is a pain. You know, in terms of implementing infrastructure and maintaining that, and you know, yep. just kind of dealing with being in the business of maintaining a data center is a tough business, right? Yep. And it requires a lot of expertise. It requires a lot of capital investment, and you know, um, some people are better at it than others, right? Right. And so, to me, it's sort of it's a great game changer, and it's a pleasure to kind of be a part of the journey, even though I'm sort of joining a little bit late. Well, it's, it's got to be exciting. You know, when I speak now, uh, Brendan, one of the things that I, I absolutely unequivocally say is Amazon, the cloud providers, do a far superior job than any of us, with few exceptions, with few exceptions, in terms of maintaining the of <laughs> right? The in and the of. And, and then I'm, I always remind people, it's the in you got to worry about, whatever you're putting exactly. in it. But the of, I mean, these guys are tight, man. They they have everything updated. They're far tighter than you. Uh, and it's really an exciting thing to see evolve. You know, I've mentioned for years, the the one thing that's so exciting about this industry overall is no matter when you get into it, you're getting into the beginning of something. And and boy, cloud is expanding so fast, it's pretty extraordinary. What's new uh, in the world of AWS security? I noticed you guys have new stuff all the time. Oh, yeah, constantly new stuff. I mean, before I jump into that, I just wanted to address yeah. your point, which I think is an excellent one. Yeah, you know, th this is not a, an easy problem to solve, right? And and I, how you describe, hey, Amazon and uh, other players, I'm sure as well, have a higher bar as it relates to securing infrastructure, so they can do a better deal, et cetera. Um, part of the reason that that's a good argument is because uh, AWS can afford to invest the time, energy, money, process, et cetera, based on you know, having a 40-ish billion dollar enterprise that's growing real fast. So it's, it's in our interest too, and we have the resources and it makes business sense for us to, to spend a lot of energy and investment doing that, right? Because that's our core business. Yep. 
you look at, you know, whatever, Uber or Netflix or fill in the blank, any company that uh, that's not their core business. Right. And so it, it only um, to me, it, it seems pretty intuitive that, hey, why not? you know, outsource that to the people that are really good at that if you can. And then you focus on what differentiates you as a business. And that's fundamentally the promise of the public cloud to externalize this big, you know, heavy, um, challenging, you know, big problem. Let somebody else take care of it for kind of a reasonable price. And then you get to focus on what actually differentiates you to your customers. Yeah. yeah. Because having a great data center that's got like, a perfect HVAC plan is not differentiating to your customers. Exactly. Right? They don't care. Exactly. They just want the app to be up. Yeah. And no. they want a good user experience, right? And that's, and that's so right. why I think it's um it's uh it's it's such a great, you know, story and, and I think was just a uh just such a spectacular uh, industry world changing idea. When when um, I so, I have to tell you, when I went to work for Dome Nine, uh, uh you know, three months later we get acquired by Checkpoint. It was like deja vu all over again twenty years later man, from the meta info days, time right? <laughs> yeah, it was re- extraordinary. And my first assignment with Checkpoint was to go to Tremblant, just outside of Montreal, and to speak at this uh, C-level conference event that was sponsored by IDC. Now, mind you, this was 2018 fall. And I got there, and of course, it was cloud-related, but I really liked, and I wish I could remember his name. I don't have it off the top of my head. I just did another event with him, uh, the analyst. But he said, he told the audience, he said, Everyone will be moving to the cloud. Everyone. It just might take 40 or 50 years, but everyone's going to get there. And I really agree with that. And then the last thing I'll say, and I'll shut up, is when I talk about the obvious choice, I put up a picture of a water wheel in a river and say, how many of you got one of these behind your house? Right. I mean, it's so obvious. We, it's why we plug in. So I think it's going to be the compute model that prevails for several decades to come. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I mean, I think it, fast forward the clock, like I mentioned earlier, five years, 10 years from now, I mean, someone's going to have to have a really good excuse to maintain a workload on prem. And there's plenty of good excuses. Don't get me wrong. So uh, but but I think you'll see more and more that transition even accelerating. And what we've seen uh, in the pandemic as businesses were forced to make massive shifts in timeframes that are really unprecedented, whether it's making the difficult decision to have to shut your doors for a period of time, whether um, you know a lot, of, a lot of companies that I work with just shifted to 100% work from home model, um, you know, cu- customers reacting in different ways and demonstrating different spending patterns. So we see you know, uh, lines of grocery stores that can't keep the shelves full. But then uh, in contrast, you know, I don't think we see a lot of lines of movie theaters and places like that. That actually has, uh, first of all, opened up another example of why public cloud makes sense, right? Because the nice thing about having something like AWS or, or, or public cloud provider is that, you know, you can scale up your use yep. when you need to. And you can down, also scale right? it down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you, you pay for what you use. But you know, if you had one of those businesses that had saw a lot of softness as a consequence of the pandemic, and they had built their own data center infrastructure to support their business pre-pandemic, you know, they still have those assets that they have to sweat and capitalize. Versus, if you're in a public cloud, you simply turn the meter down a little bit, and um, uh, your your costs go down uh, uh, consequently. And so, right. that's actually we've seen a lot of 
uh, acceleration, or at least people, uh, uh, companies recognizing that, wow, that, that agility, that flexibility to respond to external stressors, like, you know, the pandemic being the biggest one that I've ever seen in my life. Yep. Um, the ability to do that, you know, is is so uh, critical, right? And represents such a business advantage to the people that have pursued that path that we've actually seen a lot of customers kind of recognize, okay, you know, this was all we needed to accelerate some of these workloads that we've kept on-prem for one reason or another to really build out a strategy to sort of go all in. And, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, sometimes it takes catastrophes to accelerate uh, difficult leadership decisions like that, um, but but we've certainly uh, we, we've certainly seen the themes change from you know do I want to go there and if so how much to how what's the the best way for me to accelerate my roadmap and going all in right. in, uh, in a public cloud. Yeah, I really see the combination of this ubiquitous connectivity, supercomputers in our hands, and bandwidth. Right, storage is not even an issue anymore. I just saw a a one dollar or two dollar charge on my American Express, and it's for multiple gigabytes of storage on my daughter's uh, iTunes. Right? (laughs) I mean, just kooky but it is really the combination of those those aspects of compute that enable this game changing thing called public cloud and elastic compute in my mind as i'm holding on to this device that's a phone that also has you know a, a 512 gigabytes of memory and processor and all these other things it's a supercomputer and it can do a lot of things it doesn't have to transmit all up to the cloud and i think what i'm suggesting is whether it's fog or whatever you call it the trend is the shifting or altering of where things are are stored, where things are being computed, how they're being computed. I think that's all uh, potentially on the table for changing because yeah. of those earlier forces, wouldn't you think? Absolutely. And and I think it also, it depends on um, where it is architecturally advantageous to have the computing capacity. So, you know, there's lots of uh, IoT applications, and that's a really growing business for AWS and, and others, mm-hmm. where be it sensors or, um, you know, other uh, uh, microcomputing devices that are in the field. And a lot of times it's, it's architecturally advantageous to push some of that computing capacity closer to the edge. Yep. Um, now, the, the, given the proliferation of, you know, basically ubiquitous uh high bandwidth, um, especially in, you know, kind of um, uh, first world countries or, or uh, industrialized nations. Um, and, and also the the performance of that uh, global network, right, in terms of uh, not being too expensive or costly to have low latency, highly resilient, fast connections yep. um, to, you know, most major geos in the world. There are, a, there are a finite number, I think, of those applications where it makes sense, um, and, but, but they, they certainly do exist. And I think you'll see sort of two things. Number one, the integration of that remote IoT computing type device that's at the edge, or maybe a remote computing device that supports a farm of IoT sensors in fill in the blank, whether it's an agricultural application or industrial application. Um, how, do the, how does that link together with 
the cloud or primary infrastructure? And what APIs, connectivity, what are the security implications of that uh, type of approach? And, and what are the architectural advantages of having that sort of implementation in terms of delivering a better customer experience? Because fundamentally all of this is so you and I, when we order food or call a cab or you know book a hotel room or do something, that we have the best possible experience as consumers. And in B2B environments, it's the best experience for your, for your businesses and delivering the outcome that they seek. And there are times where you will be better at doing that with an approach like fog computing. Um, and, and I think although it's the minority, uh, and, and again, as, as bandwidth becomes cheaper, um, right. Uh, and easier. But then on the flip side, you also have, you know, today the sensors might be just reporting back things like temperature and, you know, elevation or what have you. Tomorrow they might be feeding live video data. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, great, we well, got this great bandwidth, but, you know, now we're, now we're pushing terabytes of video. And, and so therefore we need that uh, local kind of computing closer to the edge. But right. um, the, the nice thing is that, you know, no matter what experience you want to deliver to a consumer, technology these days, allows you to do it faster in a more resilient way in a, a more uh, uh, in a way that's conducive to uh, rapid fire innovation like post release I mean all the things that you get today uh, you know if you're starting a business is truly I incredible oh. and I just wonder if we didn't have some of these innovations like public cloud would we have all the great consumer experiences that we have today you know oh. and, and I, I I'm convinced the answer is no. So you think about like how it's really changed our lives, you know, I mean, would we have, you know, all the apps and would they be able to like those companies be able to iterate as quickly as they do and, um, you know, be able to get products off the ground with as little staff as they do. Yep. Uh, and, and, and it's, it's sort of uh, amazing to be a part of that journey. It's, it's uber exciting not to use uber's name but i mean it's it i mean it, it really is it's very very exciting i love it i think what i find also so exciting is how many people are looking at products differently and seeing them as services you know transportation as a service uber right I, I mean, everything is going as a service and why not? It just really, it's extraordinary. And I agree with you, man. It's, it's fun to be in the boat that's going down this river, right? Yeah. I think even Elon Musk said he is kind of moving toward not having any possessions and just, you know, consuming services. And <laughs> Right. So getting back to your day job, maybe you can talk a little bit about what you're seeing happening out there in the market in terms of cloud overall? Well, like I mentioned, the uh, pandemic and the, uh, the, the, the thought process that forced upon so many industries, if not all industries, um, I, I've seen has led to a, uh, the, the acceleration of a strategic roadmap to move more quickly into the public cloud. Um, and, and that, that's a, a really common threat trend. I think what I'm seeing from a security perspective, because you know a AWS has over 200 services and <clears throat> my team is responsible and myself are responsible for the security services that help our customers leverage kind of built-in security services to protect the workloads they run on, on, on AWS. And the, the people I generally talk to are like CISOs or um, uh, you know security architects, you know that, that type or CIOs that are grappling with you know, how they can maintain uh, a strong security posture 
um, and and continue to sort of um, innovate and deliver for the business. And there's sort of two interesting things that have, that have come up that I think are, are noteworthy trends. So first of all, we still have a major challenge of a shortage of talent in, in the space, and that's led to a real difficulty for customers to operationalize their security architecture. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it, from my perspective, it's created a bigger advantage to those types of products and services that are easy to implement, to use, and yeah. to maintain, right? Yeah. Yeah. So challenging implementation or require a lot of sophistication to operate, uh, that is, as, as time continues, I've observed that to become a bigger and bigger decision point for customers. Um, it's also opened the door up for service providers like MSSPs, managed security service providers, and we see that market is growing a lot faster than the product market in security yeah. because you have this shortage and you have a recognition that you know customers um, uh, oftentimes seek external help when they they can't kind of hire the help and, and maintain that themselves. Yeah, I so, I agree I agree completely with that one. In fact, I encourage it all the time. Yeah. So, so that's um, uh, so that that's one thing. So we see kind of that that uh, staffing shortage or the the negative unemployment in the infosec space, at least in the U.S., uh, has led, I think, to the, those themes uh, again, overweighting simplicity of deployment and operations, and then um, uh, you know the the growth of the MSSP or, or security services market as people look to get uh, external help to operate this stuff. Um, the second theme that uh, I, I've observed, or at least that I still uh, pretty consistently see, is that when you have, you know, taking account there's different types of customers. There's those that are bored in the cloud, and they literally don't know any other place. They, they don't know, you know, what it's like. From I'm sure they do. But it, as a business, they right. have started and from get day one only put the majority of the infrastructure on a public cloud. Then the, the bigger um, the more common scenario is you have customers that started with a fairly substantial on-premise footprint and are, are in the process of migrating to the cloud. The third cohort of customers that have an on-premise footprint and are not migrating to the cloud is effectively approaching zero or, or will will be shortly. Yeah. But that second cohort where customers that have on-prem um, legacy infrastructure and are migrating into the cloud, they also have on-prem uh, an on-prem thought process. And things are just different in the cloud, right? It's API based. There is no kind of, you know, the, the traditional concepts of networking and security that you see in an on-prem environment, it just, it's just a little different in the cloud. It's a different mindset. And, and I think I've seen a lot of uh, security architects that have had a lifetime of experience in protecting on-prem workloads sometimes struggle with that, taking that leap to move from on-prem where I've got my networks and I've got my VLANs and I've got my firewall boxes that I can go look at or log into and all that. And then a world where it's like, hey, we've got CloudTrail uh, APIs and, and you know, other services that are built in natively. And, yep. you know, it's, it's, it's sort of a, a little bit of a leap from a thought process perspective. And I do see um, uh, customers that have that heavy footprint and on-prem or, or working to, to migrate it sort of struggle with that, right? Sure. Because it's different. And frankly, Grant, I struggled with it. Sure. Because when I, you know, at, at Cisco, I was used to selling, you know, we had lots of software that helped you secure workloads in AWS and elsewhere. But for the most part, you know, it was kind of the on-prem sure. stuff that we dealt with mo- most frequently, right? And so I'm, <clears throat> I, I'm, you know, my team back at Cisco were selling big boxes, right, that we ship to customers and we recognize the revenue and we ship the box and it yeah. would run this service and that service and it was sized by the capacity of the 
of the traffic flowing through it. And nothing could be more different, you know? So yeah. I, it, took, it took some time for me to acclimate to a world where that just isn't the case, right? It's, it's an pace. unlearn almost, right? You it's, have to unlearn yeah. before you go and, and learn. It's funny you mentioned this, Brendan, because, in fact, my previous guest on my last program, Mike Morato, he actually was confessing that his first foray into the cloud, he failed miserably because he went in with the, this is how we have always done it. And and his recommendation, a strong recommendation was throw it all out. I mean, we described it sort of as, as shaking the etch-a-sketch completely before you go into the cloud because it isn't the same. Yeah. And, and, you know, Grant, I'm a sales guy at heart, right? So if it's tough for me to wrap my head around it in the context of my day to day, you're a security architect. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so I have a lot of empathy for people that are making this transition, which, which can be daunting. Yep. Um, and we spend a lot of time educating customers, you know, working with them to, fine-tune the operationalization of you know security services and just making sure that you know the 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 experience they have uh as it relates to deploying some of these tools is a good one knowing that there is a little bit of a learning curve from that mindset of on-prem to cloud and you know it's 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 not necessarily that easy all the time so um I certainly have a lot of empathy for people going through that journey uh having just kind of gone through a similar one myself um, but that's a one-time thing, right? And frankly, I think I'm late to the game. I think uh, most of the folks that you talk to and most of the customers of ours are, are, are sort of well past that part of the journey. But uh, especially with the pandemic accelerating some of that, where people that historically were more reluctant to move workloads to public clouds for one reason or another now recognize the agility advantage that uh, represents, and as I mentioned earlier, are, are, are moving things faster in the direction of a public cloud, that even makes that education process more important. Because exactly. you want people to be really comfortable yep. that they're making a good decision, that they're going to be supported, and that they'll get the resources they need to be successful and achieve their business outcomes. And that's what we uh, focus on uh, with my team at AW. Yeah. Well, and diametrically opposed uh, kind of forces, right? You've got this acceleration with a swift kick in the boot thank you covid uh to to this digital transformation right it's been forced to be accelerated and we don't have the resources and frankly it's also because as you uh, succeed on your intentions of making things easier, making them uh, frictionless, the consequences are people jump in maybe a little too hastily. I mean, come on, it's an ELB. That's a load balancer, right? It's just the same as my F5. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure that is uh, extraordinarily commonplace. <laughs> and, you know, um, I, when I was talking to Amazon, you know, kind of like, uh, during my research and interview process, I actually spun up my own AWS account and tried it out. And, um, you know, it, it is very easy to sort of get started, but it does get, um, you know, things can get complex as you take advantage of some of the more sophisticated tools, um, which is why, you know, the team that I'm a part of and, and kind of the broader uh, uh, support team of the company is, is so important, right? Because, yeah. um, you know, just like in other new technology paradigms, it's important to get educated, uh, mistakes will happen, and uh, having a plan to address that is is critical to long term success. Yeah, thankfully, you know the people doing that now 
can take advantage of the folks that blazed that trail years and years ago, right? Like that customer I talked about back in, I think it was maybe 2005 or 2006, before I had even heard of EC2 or mm-hmm. AWS, that, uh, that you know, kind of were the early adopters. So now there's a huge body of work and just a ton of expertise and cloud security is, you know, arguably is as common a, um, uh, a part of a security person's background as, 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 as on-prem and we'll continue to kind of go in that uh, direction. Um, so I think the future is bright for, for people that are heading, uh, heading, you know, accelerating their workloads to AWS or frankly, to, to any kind of public cloud environment. Yeah. It seems like it's very accessible for anybody, but it doesn't take very long. You don't have to go very deep before it starts to get pretty technical and complex, right? Well, um, I think with any piece of technology, <clears throat> Uh, it's it's simple to extract value, and there's also complex, sophisticated ways to do very creative things. I mean, just look at the iPhone, right? I compare how my uh, my my elderly parents use their iPhone to how I use it to how my 17 year old nephew uses it, right? And my elderly parents struggle just to use the iPhone as a phone. Like the, that, that's something that's that's difficult for, for them to do for one reason or another. Um, and then I feel like I'm fairly tech savvy and I've got, you know, apps and alerts and all sorts of things going on <clears throat> in my phone. And then I look what my 17 year old nephew does. And I'm just blown away. Like he's doing all sorts of advanced kind of gaming and has it connected to, you know, yeah. different things. He's way ahead of me. Right. Yeah. And I think it's the same, you know, with with public clouds, you can have really sophisticated you know, operations that do some amazing things, um, whether you're watching a movie on Netflix or Disney Plus or whatever, or, uh, or or calling an Uber or getting food delivered. I mean, that that is not that. I mean, it's a very wonderful user experience, and I'm not intimate with what's on the back end, but I'm sure there's a ton of complexity to deliver that uh, great user experience. But at the same time, it's not necessarily that hard to extract a little bit of value. Case in point, me spinning up my own AWS account and just sort of trying it out, and, you know, uh, trying out EC2 and putting some stuff in S3 and all that was actually quite simple. Right. Um, you know, but like to any technology, be it a computer, a phone, a public cloud, an on-prem infrastructure, you know, it, it can get complicated. But that sophistication and that complexity is part of what gives uh, highly proficient customers the opportunity to create those wonderful experiences for consumers and businesses alike. Yeah. And I think enabling that is still very important, you know, and trying to do so in a way that maintains as much ease of use as possible, while at the same time giving the industry and community of customers the opportunity to get kind of really in some gory technical detail to deliver that spectacular experience they want to their customers. Yeah. Well, the nerds are taking over, man. They're uh, they're going to they're the ones. <laughs> it is. It's like the power is in your developers hands the way you know we're seeing things shift left as they say it's pretty extraordinary then and you continue to offer more and more exciting tools you know like i said i i really compare aws and your offerings like a universe that just keeps expanding and it's impossible to keep up i can see why they specialize and put people in place uh, like you and your teams to be focused on specific areas because we need the help and uh, everybody knows they don't they don't all have the resources internally right now yeah 
Well, I think it's also important that, you know, that that customer education part, you know, when you've got a broad services portfolio like AWS has, and, you know, if you have a like a, a single account team that has an engineer and a salesperson that addresses a customer, it's going to be very difficult for them to be experts in contact center, yep. IoT, security, you know, fill in the blank. Those are like wildly different markets. Right. And, and but the customer education piece is critical. And so in the interest of making sure that we deliver that great customer experience, we want to have resources that the teams have access to that are domain experts that do have 10, 20 years experience in fill in the blank industry. In my case, it's security. So the people on my team are deep security experts that have like worked with information security tools for years and years and years, right? And that is an investment you make in the interest of driving customer satisfaction. Because if you have a customer that is able to get access to experts that can speed the process of that education, can drive that comfort level better, can accelerate vetting out opportunities, uh, whether they exist or technically feasible to do one thing or another, it creates a better uh, experience for our customers. And and frankly, speeds up decision making and helps them achieve the outcomes they're pursuing more rapidly. And so that's money well spent in, in my book um, and having that kind of specialist approach where all those experts are available at the ready to the account teams is uh, constantly communicating with customers to achieve those outcomes. Yep. Yep. Exciting stuff, man. Exciting stuff. So. What do you want to leave our listeners with? Anything you want to share? Words of wisdom? Final comments? I don't want to hold you up here too long. You've given me a great amount of your time. I really appreciate it. What would you like to share with people uh, listening today? Well, I think if anyone is listening that hasn't listened to you deliver one of your presentations, um, (laughs) they're missing out. So if you're out there and you have not heard Grant do his thing in front of a crowd. Oh my gosh, check out those recordings now. Uh, I'm very sincere, Grant, that I've always admired your public speaking ability and kind of connecting, even with, you know, an audience of like hundreds of people connecting with everybody there in a way that they feel like you're talking just to them and just having such a profound uh, ability to deliver that message. Um, I've always really admired that. So I'd leave with that. No, you're too (laughs) kind, man. You're you're way, Um, you're too kind. And then the other thing I'd say is, you know, that that uh, that comment about empathy, you know, I, I think the customers I know really well that I'm close with that, you know, we're sort of there's as much as friends as they are uh, customers that I've met through the course of my career. It, it's really hard to be in IT these days. It's really difficult to be somebody that's responsible for driving technology strategy and agenda in an organization and, and IT is, is, is oftentimes in a tough spot being kind of pulled between the business that wants to move at a certain pace, whereas the important elements of IT around standardization and process and all that, that sometimes is perceived to holding back. But there is a lot of empathy out there. I mean, we recognize it. The partners I work with recognize it. The colleagues I have with the AWS and even other places recognize it. It's, it's not an easy problem to solve. And we're here to help you know, kind of solve those problems with our customers. And, you know, we really try and put that at the forefront, like, hey, we, we're in this with you. And we recognize this is a tough challenge. And, you know, we recognize that in our own information security team within AWS, you know, they grapple with a lot of these same things, too. And there's no easy answer. So I, I think it's important to, to uh, acknowledge that there is no, you know, single source of truth, right? I mean, if, uh, if FireEye, who's you know, arguably in an elite group of companies that is in a position to protect themselves, 
if they're going to experience uh, an incident like they did with the solar winds breach, yep. then it can kind of happen to anybody. Yep. Yeah. And so it, this is a very, very difficult problem to solve. It's hard. And I think there's broad recognition of that challenge and there's a ton of empathy in the vendor community and in the industry that, you know, for, for, uh, for folks out there that, that like actually really do want to help. And, um, and so I just sort of leave you with that message. That is definitely the, uh, un- underpins kind of the foundation of how we address customers. Um, and, uh, and I'm sure, you know, we're not the only team, uh, that's like that. And, um, because a lot of times I sense the customers sort of, you know, they're, they're in a tough spot, right. Uh, it, between, uh, on-prem cloud, all the security considerations, the threat landscape that's so dynamic as it is, and yeah. lots of different, you know, um, messages out there that are sometimes difficult to internalize and consume. So, sure. Well, I can tell you this. First, thank you very much for your comments. That's awful kind of you, man. I appreciate it. Uh, so seriously, thank you. But I have to say, every, and I have numerous ex-colleagues and friends that are now working at Amazon. And I got to tell you, man, I'm very impressed with the organization's focus on the customer and customer service and customer satisfaction. I mean, you can't call you guys for nothing, find a phone number. But other than that, I mean, really, and obviously I'm talking more on the consumer side, but I've really been impressed with everything's (laughs) always about the customer uh, and, and that customer focus. And I really feel it. I really sense it. And I think it's awesome. And uh, full disclosure, I am a shareholder. Yeah, there you go. Me too. (laughs) Good stuff. Well, Grant, it was an absolute pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you very much for uh, inviting me to participate. I'm I'm honored to be able to participate. It's great to be able to to reconnect with you and and talk some more and uh, looking forward to our future conversations. Yeah, Brennan, thanks so very much, man. I'm looking forward to when we can sit down and, you know, talk with each other belly to belly instead of having to be isolated like we have been for this uh, last several months, but we're getting there. So thank you, Brendan. Thank you very, very much. I really appreciate it. I too am thrilled to reconnect with you and look forward to staying in touch. Ladies and gentlemen, got another one in the books. This was a fun one. I really loved reconnecting with uh, Brendan Stavely, America's sales leader for AWS security at Amazon. Great guy, long in the tooth, as you heard, with experience in security. And that was really a great conversation. So thanks again, Brendan. It's great having you, buddy. Take care. Thanks, bud. Okie doke. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. I'll look forward to having you back on another episode of Talking Cloud.